Now, in verse 13 and 14, I just want to talk about this for just a little bit. He, he refers to a weakness, and you can put that in the blank, okay? Um, there's, there's been lots of conjecture over what his weakness was or what his illness was. Uh, if you study about the region in those days, when, when he was going from Tarsus or Jerusalem to Galatia for the first time, he had to go through an area that was uh, uh, particularly bad for for malaria. It could be that he had contracted malaria before he got to them, and he was weak the whole time he was there. He was kind of sickly the whole time he was there. He refers to that here. I put some other references here where he talks about a weakness or a thorn in the flesh. You've heard him talk about that uh, if you've read Paul's writings at all. He could have been, uh, it could have been that, that one of the times where he was stoned, it could have been several months or several weeks after that, that he was in Galatia, and he might still be kind of recouping from that. So he was weak when he was with them. And in verse 14, he begins to, what I would say, kind of exaggerate his welcome. He said, you treated me like I was an angel. And there's a sense here that they cared for him while he was really ill or while he was recuperating, and he taught them as they cared for them. So there was kind of a wonderful give and take uh, relationship that he had with them. Uh, look at verse 15 for a minute. I know I'm jumping ahead, but it'll kind of help you. It's interesting that he says, you would have been willing to give me your eyes. It makes me wonder if there was some kind of an eye problem involved in this. See that? You really took care of me. So there's a relationship established here. Now, now, in verse 15, though, he says, why has your attitude changed? Their attitude has changed by adding something, they've been convinced here, to add something to the gospel. Can I caution you here? And can I also say that if you've been a Christian very long, you've probably done this at some point. I have. You've added to the gospel. What I want to say to you, and I'll make the application in just a minute as we, as we close here in about five, five or six or seven minutes. Anytime I try to add to the gospel, I actually subtract from it. And that's what they were doing. What he wanted them to know is that the door is flung wide open for you to believe, for you to become in Christ. But there are some who've convinced them to add something else to that. And in 16, he says, which is the fear of any preacher or teacher. If his preaching of freedom has proved false. In other words, if you've lied to them at all, he couldn't be considered a friend. Any teacher or preacher has this burden. Now, there are some times when I'll parse some words that I put on an outline or that I'm getting ready to share with you and I realize I've got to be careful because if I lie to you, I'm in incredible danger as a leader, as a teacher. Paul says, you know what, if I was false to you in any way about this, then I really wasn't your friend. Strong words, right? Jeff, can I get you to go back and read 17 down through 20? And we'll close out. 
Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always and not just when I am with you. My dear children, until Christ is formed, my dear children for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Thanks, Jeff. Verse 17. Would you agree with me, especially in our day, that some zeal is not good? Some kinds of zeal is not good. Listen to what Paul says in another place. This is in Romans 10, and I'm going to read verse 2. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God. He's talking about these people. A zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. We live in a day and age where religious zeal is getting a lot of people murdered. Okay? So there's a zeal that's not for the good here. So in verse 18, he brings them back to what's really important here. I'm going to read verse 18 again because it's really, really important. It is good always to be eagerly sought in a commendable manner. And not only when I'm present with you, he says. That there's kind of this idea here. Um, uh, there is an idea that he's reminding them that their zeal ought to be for the gospel and for the gospel alone. It's good always to be eagerly sought. Now, my zeal ought to be for the gospel. And I had to think this morning, is my zeal today what it was in 1975 when I knew you? There was something about me in those days that I couldn't get enough, I couldn't do enough. Is my zeal the same as it was then? Is my zeal the same um, uh, as, as um, Janie, you still here? Is my zeal the same as it was on my way home from EE training in Florida in 19, uh, what was that, 1995? I mean, I couldn't wait for people to have some kind of a spiritual conversation with me. I got this 20-minute outline memorized. I'm ready to go. You know how it was. Is my zeal the same as it used to be? That good kind of zeal, that enthusiasm for the gospel and for him. Verse 19, he calls them his children. So much so, ladies, those of you who've had children, he says, okay, what you're doing to me is putting me in labor pains again for you. I birthed you, and now it's like I'm having to birth you all over again. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine saying to Christy right now with a, with a two-month-old, uh, what if you had to do that all over? Would you do that all over again for Finn? And she'd say, yeah, but I don't want to. We don't have to do that, do we? That's kind of the image here. And then in 20, he says, it's really important that I commit this to you. But really, face-to-face -face is always better, and it always is. So you can put face-to-face -face in that blank. Now, we may look back on the Galatians situation with kind of amusement and think, 
How could they have ever been convinced that this was going to have to take place? Why was circumcision so attractive to them? Why would they even consider adding such a thing to their faith in Christ? Those kind of things ought to make us ponder what you and I might add to faith in Christ as we consider what makes us God's people. In every place and age, some have sought to add to the gospel in ways that ultimately result in diminishing the freedom that gospel gives. Anytime I try to add something to the simple message of faith in Christ, I end up subtracting from the gospel. And I would just ask you to, with me, and I'm, I'm going to do this, this week think about what is there in my life that even maybe unspoken, I've tried to add to the simple message of the gospel. Repent and believe. It's really simple, isn't it? Profoundly simple. I dare not make it harder. Okay, we'll be in five next week and we'll kind of keep this thing going. I'm curious if you came up, if you'll come up with in this next week something that you have added to the gospel that might actually subtract from it. Have a great week.